So welcome, welcome, welcome. So hey, what do you think about 2020 so far, huh? Yeah. 2020. I heard the word interesting. That's a really nice way to put it. Um, it is fascinating. COVID-19 is here. I heard somebody say this week, well, I guess COVID-19 is back. Well, I was like, well, has it gone anywhere? Um, it's around still and it's happening and uh, we're coming to church with face masks on and uh, we have political issues going on. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, you know, we have protests, we have the chop, the chez, cheese, whatever we want to call that. Uh, we have um, King County issues, city issues, Washington State issues, national issues. Am I leaving anything out? Oh! Yeah, yeah, you guys have come up. What about murder hornets? I left out murder hornets. What happened to the murder hornets? Yeah, they're gone, I guess. I don't know. But I want to say this, in the midst of all of this craziness, that God is still God. Yes. You know, God is still God, and it might be interesting. It might be really hard. For, I know some people are really struggling during this time. But God is still God. And he hasn't, like, turned his back on us because he's faithful. And he says, hey, I will be with you always. I will always, always be with you. And so we have to remember that. For those of you that are following Jesus and you've, you've said that, Lord, I surrender my life to you. His promise to you is that he will always be with you. And so in the midst of all of this, and I just laugh because I look out and I see face masks. And I look back and I see hand sanitizer. And I see a thing that says pens or it says clean. And then we have a, like a leprosy pens, I guess, because it... <laughs> Because it says unclean. So if you have that pen and you have an unclean pen, you have to walk around saying, unclean, unclean. Yeah. Okay, if you don't know that reference, then um, you have to read a little of your New Testament history. Because people that had leprosy, when they went into a marketplace, when they weren't anywhere, they were required to vocally say out loud, I'm unclean. Can you imagine? How about the self-esteem in a person like that, right? The truth is that we all walk around unclean. And it's the grace and the compassion and the love of Jesus that washes us clean. That gives us a fresh start. For those of you this morning that, and who are watching, you might need a fresh start. I think that's going to be the word for 2020. That we need a fresh start. And Jesus offers that every single day. 2020 is interesting. But God is working and he's planning and he's doing what he's going to do. Masks, viruses, protests aren't going to thwart God's plans. And I believe what he's doing is his plan. Would I do it differently? Yes. You wouldn't want me to do it differently. But it's God. God is doing what he is doing. And what I believe is part of it is he's stripping us down to so we don't rely on anything else. 
Well, we have to, we have to rely on him. So Jesus, help us to rely on you. And I believe there's a lot of great things that are happening out of this that is making us aware. And I'm not going to get real political this morning, but we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I believe some of the things that are happening right now in our world is actually a great thing. When we talk about, hey, people's lives matter. And I'm just going to say it. Black lives matter. 100. And I mean, is there more than 100%? I guess not. I didn't do very well in math. I... Geometry, ooh, don't talk to me about geometry. <laughs> Algebra, I did okay. That's as far as I went. Is there more than 100%? No. So do black lives matter? 100%. 100%. I have Asian friends. Do their lives matter? Yes. And my Asian friends, when this whole COVID thing first started, they just said, man, people look at us differently because... We're from China, and COVID is from China, and so they looked at us differently, and they felt the even rage. Do police officers' life matter? Yes, we have a police officer in the house this morning. Are there sinners in our world? Yeah about 50 of us in this room. <laughs> and there's sinners on both sides. There's good and bad on both sides. And what, what we have to do is we have to trust Jesus. Yeah. And we have to look at, I'm getting way ahead of my notes. So I could just not even look at my notes. We have to get past the sides. And we have to look at people with compassion like Jesus looked at yeah. people. We're going to look at the early church. And I just... I'm thankful that God is leading us, church, and that he has us looking at the book of Acts and looking at the early church. How did they live life as a community, as the gathered church? And God is just so sovereign, and as he leads us, because every single week I start looking, up, looking and as I'm studying his word, I'm like, God, you're amazing. And we're going to talk about it a little bit this morning. We're in Acts chapter 6, so I invite you to have your Bibles, Acts chapter 6. If you did not bring a Bible... Too bad for you. Um, no, we have Bibles, and they're, um, they're in the back. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll grab one um, for you, and we will actually spray it down in between services for those of you that are going to come at 1045. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. I would love for you to be able to read along with me as we, as we do this. We're going to see that in the early church that things were going well. They were devoted. They were bold. They prayed prayers, and God was answering, and and we, they lived in the miraculous. They were seeing the miraculous happen on a daily basis. And their eyes were opened and, they, and things were going amazing. You know, they devoted themselves to, to learning more about Jesus and to, to figure out how to walk with him in this new relationship. And they were figuring out how to walk with one another in this new relationship with God. And you guys got to understand that, remember, the world was in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit showed up and 3,000 got saved. And, that, and then since then, even more. So now we have thousands of people from cultures from all over the world now thrown into a place and their one common denominator is Jesus. But they bring all their stuff from all their different cultures and all their different backgrounds. 
into the church. And you can imagine all the stuff that is going to start happening, right? So they were devoted. They were devoted in meeting together. And they figured, well, hey, while we're meeting together, we might as well eat together. And so they did that. And then we said, hey, we're together. So we're going to learn together, but we're also going to pray together. We're going to spend time praying and being in the presence of God. And many times they would pray the Psalms together, as well as just quiet time and just being still in his presence. I invite you to pray as a church. I invite you to come early in the mornings at 630. Yes, that's early. Now God, I don't even set my alarm because God just went, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go today. I'm going to sleep in. Guess what? Boop. 545. Guess who's up? All right, I'll go. And it's just amazing. So, and most of the time we just sit quietly and we pray together for a few minutes. But just being in his house and praying together with a few of us has just been an incredible time. We're going to see in this chapter of Acts, chapter 6, that things started happening where they needed some help. And so I'm going to bring out my help wanted sign that Andy did such a phenomenal job with. So I, I have to bring it out. So everything was going amazing, and miracles were happening every single day, but we're going to see, and I believe because God is sovereign, that he shows us these passages in Scripture to show us that even in the early church, when everything was going amazingly well, there were still some problems. And we're going to see in Acts chapter 6, some of these problems that start to bubble up to the surface. And so let's read it together. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So, so the 12, so the 12 apostles now, so this can be a little confusing because we're like, oh, the disciples gathered. Well, so now you have 12 apostles, the 12, minus Judas, but they added the guy, right? And so they're apostles now. And so people that were following Jesus now were called disciples, okay? And we're going to see later on in the book of Acts, they changed that name from disciples to Christians. First time in the book of Acts. Okay. So the widows were being overlooked uh, daily in the distribution of food. So verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be fully to be full of the Holy Spirit or full of the Spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So the proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicorna, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. A large, that to me, I think that's just like the little dessert on top. So priests, wouldn't you think priests were already saved? Well, a lot of the priests were, they were following strict religion. Remember back then? It was all about religion. It was all about doing the steps and making sure we do it right. 
But now they're being introduced to Jesus, and he, I believe, enlightens their heart and their minds, and they see the picture of Jesus and everything that they're doing. Because the Old Testament wasn't thrown away, right? The Old Testament is still here, and the things that they were doing were symbols of Jesus. It was a picture. If you look at the, like, the layout of the tabernacle, it is an amazing. If you've ever studied, anybody ever studied like the, the layout of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting and stuff like that and how it was all laid out and how it all represented? Anybody raise your hand if that's you? Yeah. It's fascinating how it's all a picture of Jesus. And it all points to him. And so that's what was happening. Now, all of a sudden, these priests are seeing all this happening, and they're giving their hearts to Jesus. It's exciting. So things are happening in the early church, and everything is happening, and miracles are going on, but not everything is okay, right? And so we see that here, and I believe it's for us today to be able to look at this, and like, even in the early church, when things were going amazingly well, help was still wanted. And so, what happened is you have Hellenistic Jewish widows, and you have Hebraic Jewish widows. And what's the difference? So here's the difference. So Hebraic widows and Hellenistic widows, what's their common denominator there? They are, and I've used that word a couple times today. I guess I'm in the math mode, common denominator. They were Jewish. Okay, so they were Jewish, but what's the difference between a Hellenistic Jewish person and a Hebraic Jewish person? The difference is Hebraic, born and raised in Israel. Know that culture, speaks the language, Aramaic, really solid with their culture, not really excited about other people's culture. In fact, almost to the point where just... You know, you be you and stay away from me. Anti-change, for sure, and then definitely anti-Gentile. And a Gentile is just anybody who's not Jewish. Okay? So that was Hebraic, the Hebraic Jewish people, or in this case, the widows. Hellenistic widows, Hellenistic Jewish women, in this case, are still Jewish women, but they're from around the world born and raised in other countries, immersed in those cultures, but compelled by God to move back to Israel. Isn't this interesting? It was happening 2,000 years ago. It's happening even today that Jewish people from all around the world are being moved in spirit to go back to their homeland If you do some studying on that, that's setting up for Jesus to come back, right? Jesus today, make that happen, amen? And so, the difference is, different culture, you don't speak the language. And now you're in a new place, your eyes are open, you're saved, you're taken care of, hopefully, but what we find out in this passage, they're not really being taken care of. Because you can imagine, it says widow, so they've come from a different place, different country. Probably not as much family support being in the new place. And can you imagine being in a place where you do not speak the language? You don't even know how to ask for help. 
Anybody ever been there, been in a place where you just do not speak the language? I mean, I'm not talking about Mexico being on vacation. Okay, I'm sorry if I dissed on any of you here. But I'm talking about like life situation where you're in a place and you just do not. And you have no, and it's very helpless. Anybody? A couple of you? Okay. Well, I, I called Gretchen this morning. Gretchen's my stepmom. She's been in my as far back as I can ever remember, which is last Tuesday. Um, she's been in my life, and, um, and she's an awesome woman, loves Jesus, going to be here second service. Um, Gretchen moved from Germany, born and raised in Germany, Bremen, Germany, grew up during World War II. Um, I told her I'd brag on her a little bit. I called her and asked her if I could share a little bit about her. She goes, what do I need to do? I said, just sit there and smile. Um, but born and raised during World War II, they actually had a bomb, one of our bombs, come through the ceiling of their house and land in their living room, but didn't go off. And so, born and raised, she was separated from her family because she was in a, an area where there's harbors and there's warships, German warships. So they took all the kids, she was like seven years old, and was sent down south, Germany, where she became a nanny at seven. And then didn't like it. And she, at seven years old, if you have kids who are right around that age, can you imagine at seven years old, she's there by herself. She goes to the consulate and complains like, these people have turned me into a slave and that's what they had done. And so they actually had to move her into a different place and just strange, strange. So when she was around 18 years old, she moved to Canada and did not speak the language and became a nanny again. So how she learned English was by nannying the kids, and they would teach her English. She would, they would teach her. And so as she got, she left that job and got another job, she was telling me, and we just, we laugh, and well, I don't know if she laughs, we laugh. Um, but she got a job at a, in an office building her office was on the third floor, but she couldn't say three. And back then you had, I mean, like, why would you have to say three? You just press a button, right? Well, back then, elevators had elevator operators. So you would get in the elevator, and you'd tell them what floor you want to go to. Well, because she didn't speak English and didn't speak it well, what she did know, because of the dialect of German, they don't have a th Am I right? Okay, Andrea is from Germany, um, born and raised, um, and so she couldn't say three, and Gretchen is a proud woman, and so, she, but she could say four, so she would get off on the fourth floor, and she would take the stairs down to three. <laughs> Can you imagine being in a place where you just don't speak the language? And so that's where we see in the story, we see that these women are in a, in a foreign land, but it's yet their, it's their homeland. They're, now they're in church, they're saved. They have no way to take care of themselves. And we see that in the, in the last few weeks that there was a spirit of generosity in the early church. And I believe that spirit is in this church. You guys... You guys are amazing on how generous you are and how much you give and 
fact that we can support these missionaries and we can support a staff here and we can have a building in one of the most expensive places on the you know, West Coast. We can have a building here and we can buy paint and we can do all this stuff because, because of you, because of that spirit of generosity. That was happening in the early church. And so people were selling stuff and they didn't have Craigslist and offer up. So I don't know how they did it. Maybe the little nickel. I don't know. Is that a reference that anybody recognized? A couple of you. That used to be a classified local newspaper thing, the little nickel. I don't know how they did it, but they were selling stuff, property, and we saw, and so they were bringing the money, and so then they were using that money to take care of the needs. And the Bible says in Acts that nobody had a need. Wouldn't that be nice? I'm sure there's some wants, but it didn't talk about that. Nobody had a need in their midst. Because the spirit of generosity was going on. But then we see as things grew and kept growing and kept growing, that there's some help that was wanted about for these women. So we see that seven men are selected. And why the number seven? It is a very biblical number. Do you guys realize that? It's a very biblical number. And so like the triple seven is God's airplane, right? You know? Do you guys ever notice, who has in your speed dial on your phone, like for your mom, if your mom is still with us, um, and you just have, like in your contacts on your phone, it just says mom. Anybody have that on their phone? Just says mom. Okay, did you ever notice that when you go to type in, when you're like trying to find mom, the because you know how the numbers have letters attached to them and so you can search that way and like if I'm looking for Dana Buck I just hit D and then the A and then the N and it usually just pops up and I only know two Danas in my world they both happen to go to church here so then I have to choose between so but did you ever notice like with the mom what numbers you have to push to hit mom it's just a kind of a little joke thing but I'll let you figure it out it is kind of scary because it's 666, I don't know. It is, but it has nothing to do with my mom, because my mom's an angel. So, but seven. So they choose seven. And, and why, do they, why do they choose seven? Well, seven seems to be a God number. Jesus made seven declarations on the cross. Jesus uh, made seven professions of I am. And there's all these seven, seven churches, seven here, seven there. Why did they choose seven? Was it because of that? Well, some scholars say, well, it could be that, or it could be because there's seven days a week, and they just put somebody in charge of every day. Hey, you're in charge of Monday. You're in charge of Tuesday. Seven. God created the world in six days, and he rested on the seventh day, God's number. So they choose seven men from among them. And it's interesting that they just didn't choose anybody, but they chose there's a criteria to how they chose. And I just want to, I think it's important when we look, when we're choosing people to serve, when we're looking for people to rely on. Because once you say that these women were going to rely on this ministry, yes. And so that's what's happening here. So, but there's a criteria. So they had to be known. That means they had to show up and be faithful. So when they did meet together, they were devoted. They were there. So they were known. The other criteria is that they were full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that they were connected with God through the, through the Holy Spirit. 
And the other one was that they were knuckleheads. No, it was that they were wise, right? And I think sometimes when we can kind of <laughs> get ourselves in trouble, well, when we rely on people that aren't full with the Holy Spirit, that are not wise and are not known. And so that's what happens here is they're known, they're full of the Holy Spirit, not full of self, but full of the Holy Spirit, and they are wise. And then they lay hands on them and pray for them. First time in the book of Acts where we see that is when actually the apostles laid hands on them and commissioned them into ministry and then just said, you guys do what you do. We're going to still study and, and pray and teach the word of God. And so the church began to grow even more because of delegation. I love it. So I guess my question is when I read these passages and I always ask God, so God, how do you, what do you want me to take home? What do you want me to put in my pocket and take home with me? What, when I'm, re when I'm studying, when I'm, when I'm hearing your word, when I'm sitting in a message and I'm hearing the word, God, how do you want me to be moved? How do you want me to be changed? So when I look at this passage, I guess the question that just dominates my mind is, who am I overlooking? Because it says that great things were happening in the early church and there was food being distributed, but there's this, this one group that was marginalized widows, marginalized, sometimes looked down upon, mainly just forgotten. And so my question is, who are we overlooking? It's an important question. Who are we not seeing? But, that, but they're present. It wasn't like they weren't there in the food distribution. They just weren't being noticed. Could have been prejudice. Could have been. Yes. Could have been racist. Come on. Yeah. Totally could have been. Foreigners outside. Yes, we have some similar culture background. Yes, we're from the same way back. But aren't we as humans all from the same if we go way back, church? Yeah. I want you to turn over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. Because when I look at this and I ask those questions, God, what am I, what am I overlooking? What am I not seeing? Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. So we see that Jesus is moving and he's going through and we see, I mean, it starts off with the transfiguration, an amazing story. Jesus heals a boy possessed by an evil spirit, impure spirit. Chapter 9 is very big. And we get towards the end in verse 35. And I guess it helps if I'm in chapter 9 of Matthew and not Mark. So what I just said for the last 30 seconds, totally disregard. Yeah, so Jesus is healing. He's doing all these miraculous things, and, and crowds are gathering. People are following him, and, and, and some of them are following with pure intentions. Some of them are just following him because they want, and they, they just want, and they see, and they want to be around the miraculous. And we pick it up in verse 35. 
So as Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. They were troubled. They were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So Jesus is pointing to this sign. And Jesus says, my kingdom, even my kingdom, Jesus, is saying, help wanted. Interesting, right? Because Jesus here in this passage is saying, I'm going to rely on those who follow me to help spread the good news. I'm going to rely on those who follow me. But what I wanted to point out in this passage is that Jesus looked on the crowd with what? With compassion. Because he saw their hearts, not their actions, not their deeds, not what they were doing externally. But he saw the vacant heart that was troubled, that was harassed, that was helpless. So how do we look at this today in our world? I wore my boots today because I knew I was going to step on some toes. I mean, do I personally, Kevin LaRoche, agree with everything that's going on in our society? No. But what I pray for is that I would see what God sees. That I would have his heart for people and not my heart for people. Jesus didn't choose sides. Jesus wasn't Roman. I'm just going to say it. Jesus wasn't a Democrat. And some of you are like, amen. But I'm going to also say this. Jesus wasn't Republican. Right? Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He has his kingdom. And what he invites us to do is to be part of his kingdom. And he tells us to seek his kingdom. And he'll take care of everything else. Church, what is our job? It's not to line ourselves up with anybody else but Jesus. And to seek him and his kingdom. And then he will, according to his word and according to his promise, he will take care of everything else. If we seek him with all our hearts. So church, I just want to invite us. So when we look at this passage and we look at what's happening in our world, do I agree with what's happening in the four block area in Seattle? No. But what I do see in that area is there's people who are hurting. That are, who are harassed. And they're troubled. They're deeply troubled. Just like me. And Jesus had mercy on me. And he surrounded me with people who loved me. When I showed up at church, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't show up at church because I knew Jesus. I showed up at church because my mom invited me to go with her because she didn't want to go by herself. And then they loved me. This short little skinny kid with like two friends. One friend, actually, in seventh grade. Because I was new in the area. 
and they loved me, and I fell in love with them before I fell in love with Jesus. And I know some of you have heard that before, but we have to love people and look at them with compassion. I have to look at the things that's going on in Seattle and trust that, God, you have placed, it's your sovereign will that you have placed every single one of us right now in this room, at home, if you're watching locally, you've placed us here in this area to make a difference for his kingdom. To make a difference for his kingdom. And how are we going to do that? We have to do that through the eyes of Jesus. And we have to look at people, not with their labels, not with their titles, not with what they're doing. We have to look at with them with compassion. People are troubled. People are hurting. Man, people are hurting, church. And sometimes we make these proclamations and we hurt them even more. We just pile right on top. And Jesus says, stop. Look at them the way I look at them with compassion. So much so that Jesus left heaven to come here. That's, that's how much he has compassion. So are we willing to lay our lives down like Jesus laid his life down for us? I mean, I know this passage is talking about widows and you're like, wow, even evil, Knievel didn't make that jump, right? But it, I have to ask when I'm reading the word, God, why would you have this here? Because there are people all around us that are being overlooked. And until we sit down and actually listen and spend time and hear their hurt, not try to fix it, because we can't fix the hurt. Jesus can fix the hurt. Amen. Amen. But until we do that, they're just going to remain overlooked and continue hurting. And if I was in one of those areas, and I have been, I would want somebody to have compassion for me. And I believe that you yourself are a person, and if you're watching, you need compassion. Every single one of us needs someone to come alongside of us and say, I want to walk with you. I want to hear you. I want to honor you as a human being. As a human being, not because of the color of your skin, not because where you're, where you're born, not because of the language that you speak, but because you are created in the image of the living God. That's what the word says, that we're made in the image of God. These women made in the image of God. Foreigners in their homeland being overlooked. And God brings a solution by bringing the church together to be able to talk about it, make a few decisions. It's almost like the apostles are like, man, don't bother us to wait on tables. But they had compassion and said, okay, let's fix this. We have people being overlooked. Let's fix it. And so we can continue sharing the love of Jesus, being connected with him in prayer, but also being able to share the word of God with people. And then it says that people were being saved and rescued on a daily basis because that was happening. Hey, can you stand with me this morning? I was saying, hey, this is awesome. We're almost done at 10.10, 10, but then I just realized we have another service starting in 35 minutes. Yep. 
So Adrian's going to preach service number two. Help wanted. The other thing I see in this passage is that there's seven that are chosen. Have you ever seen a list and like, man, I wish my name was on that list. I would like to be on the list. Back when I was in school, you tried out for teams and not everybody made it, like today, sometimes. And so the coach would post who made the team on the, on the bulletin board and you would race to school the next day and see if your name's on that list. Can I just say that, that you're invited to be on that list? There's a couple lists I'm talking about, I guess, this morning. Is, one is for your name to be written in the book of life. The Bible talks about that God knows you and your name is there. And that's those who follow him that have surrendered their lives to him. So I invite you, if you've never made a decision for Jesus, today's the day. We don't know about tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen for lunch today. Some of you might think you know what's happening for lunch. You know? And so today's the day to say, yeah, Jesus, I want to be on that list. I want, I want what we talked about in worship, to be able to stand with my to be fully abandoned to you because I've tried everything else. The other list is, hey, there's, times, there's time for us to step up as, as a church and to say, man, there are people in our world around us right now, in our community, not just our world because that makes it too easy for us, in our community right here that are hurting and they're troubled and they need somebody to come alongside them and just love them where they're at. And your name can be on that list. But there is a criteria. You need to be dedicated. You need to be known. That means you need to be dedicated to hanging out with God's people. And you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Because if you go try to do that stuff on your own, you're going to get your tail kicked. And that's saying it just church-wise church right there. And you need to be wise. And that means, how, how are you going to be wise in today's world? You need to know this book. You need to know this book. Because this book is what's going to connect you with, with him. It's also going to give you the wisdom to share with those who need to hear what this book has to say. So some of you need to say, okay, I'm done setting on the sideline and I need to get my name on that list. And I need to start serving those around me. So Jesus, this morning, I'm thankful for every heart who is in this room and who is watching at home. Lord, I pray that you've, you're moving us, that you're stirring in us, that you're changing us. God, help us to look at people the way you look at people, with compassion, not with judgment, not with labels, not with preconceived ideas, not through skewed lenses, but through a lens of just love and compassion. God, you know what's happening tomorrow. You know what happens in the end. You know there's a really bad place. But you also know that there's an amazing place that you've created for us to be with you. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are, who are observing this morning, whether here or online. God, that you would touch our hearts, that we would be changed, that we would stop overlooking 
people, but we would have your eyes to see, and then we'd have your heart to feel, but then it would also be your hands and feet, and then we would act and respond. God, I thank you that, that you're moving, that you're not done with us, and that you have great plans. You have great plans. So help us to be part of those plans. Well, we want to be on that list. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank you so much for gathering. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we're going to, we have people coming. So I, I said, hey, let people hang out for about 10 minutes, and then we're going to kick them out, okay? All right, so welcome. Thank you so much for being here.